Welcome to this episode of the Middle Market Growth Conversations podcast. I'm Katie Mulligan, editor of ACG's magazine, Middle Market Growth. My guest today is Chris Jackson. Chris is Deloitte's private technology leader and a managing director of Deloitte Consulting. He joins me on the podcast today to discuss the findings of Deloitte's 2018 Mid-Market Technology Trends Report, which explored the intersection of technology and talent. It included some really interesting findings from how tax reform is impacting middle market companies' technology spend to the role of the gig economy. And so I asked Chris to join me to discuss those findings in more detail. Chris, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Glad to be here this morning. So to start, what prompted Deloitte to focus this year's technology survey on the talent dimensions of IT investments? Well, over the past few decades, we've really seen tremendous growth in the mid-market and private company segment overall. So to give you a couple of stats, currently the mid-market makes up about one-third of private sector GDP, uh, and a gross domestic product, and, and employment representing about 200,000-plus uh, people in the U.S. So, so it's a large segment of our, our economy and a pretty active segment of the economy. One of the interesting things in the broader survey is that, uh, that the polls up in support of this, is that 33% of the companies surveyed are spending over 5% of their annual revenue on technology. This is the trend that we've seen kind of creep up each year. And the thing to kind of take away from that, though, is, you know, talent is a make-or-break factor relative to technology deployment, especially with the divergence of these emerging technologies hitting the marketplace. So, so that was why we wanted to try and take a focus on that and look at the talent from that particular standpoint. There's some very, very interesting things going on in terms of the future of work and how we work around these technologies and with these technologies. And there's been a lot written about how robots and machines are coming for our jobs, but that doesn't seem to really be what this report found. Is that fear unfounded, would you say? Very, very much so. I think it's interesting uh, you know, because you know, that's been the prevailing narrative for a number of years. But what the data is showing us is that out of the companies surveyed, and when we really start to kind of peel down and look into this, you know, how technology is reshaping the way we work, uh, there's a couple of trends that really start to stand out. types or how are the types of roles that companies are hiring for changing or are they, you know, how are they adapting to these new talent needs? Well, I think there's a, a couple ways. I mean, the work in, in itself, the nature of the work is changing uh, with this disruption. So, so the areas of concentration we're seeing the most from our survey data, roughly, you know, 54% of those had, you know, change within the areas of operation. So when we think about the Places in the organization that are going to have expect to see the most job-related changes, we're seeing it in operations at 54%, customer service at 46%, and marketing at 41%. If you think about the nature of those jobs and the importance of them, 
in the organization, it's a fairly critical area. So this is this is a fairly meaningful finding. Uh, yeah, there's greater customer interaction and intimacy, uh, and technology is enabling a tremendous amount of that. And if you think about how technology is changing the landscape and how marketing works, it's logical to see that this would be an area where there's going to be great disruption from a talent standpoint. It's really interesting when you see you know kind of how companies are using technology itself to actually acquire talent. Roughly 56% of the private companies and uh, HR departments uh, we surveyed are leveraging analytics to really source and acquire the talent in their organization. So talent, again, is, is really the key to unlocking the broader potential of these emerging technologies. Uh, and, and it's driving business value greater than it's ever done in the past. Huh, can you expand on that a little bit, how HR departments are leveraging analytics? Yeah, yeah. So, so to, to, let's take the area of training. So you know, you've got, we're certainly investing more in employees. Uh, but employee training, education, and learning is changing as well in terms of how we're leveraging things like mixed reality, which offers a wide range of benefits uh, across this, this landscape survey clients. So 46% really are, are, you know, are, are leveraging this for training, uh, mixed reality, to, to drive that change. We've got 42% are increasing communication and collaboration uh, relative to mixed reality. So we're using the technology to actually train and invest in those people within the organization itself. Uh, and that's, that's a direct result of, you know, say, 50, I think it's 58% of the mid-market leaders are seeing increased worker productivity uh, as, you know, digital disruption's most significant impact. So additionally, 57% expect HR analytics to increase performance and productivity of their workers. So I'm, I'm looking at using the technology, technologies to kind of source and acquire my employees, rank and rate them, and additional technologies like mixed reality and virtual reality to even train them and you know, do re- the reinvestment that I'm doing. Uh, in them to kind of keep, retain, and get that talent. It's truly a pull, push and pull on talent in the marketplace. And so companies not only have to be great places to work, they've got to offer affordability and training to be competitive to get that pool of talent. And a question on the minds of many in the wake of tax reform was how companies were going to use their tax savings. Is technology an area where you're seeing mid-sized companies put those dollars to work? Yeah, I mean, the extra liquidity that the tax reform has really afforded uh, has allowed companies to really aggressively invest, not only in technology, but also in talent as a way to better compete in the broader business environment. So when you look at our broader trends about, you know, where, where things are growing, uh, how spend is occurring uh, relative to kind of, you know, invest percentage of revenue invested in technology to gain value, that's been going year over year, as I mentioned in the earlier stats. So it's, it's a great thing there where tax reform has just given, you know, more fuel to that already heavy investment in growth. So it's, it's allowed a number of different things for folks to do. So, so for example, 37% of the private companies surveyed uh, have made new hires and intend to continue to hire new talent to expand their digital capabilities. While 36% of the private companies are considering more strategic technology-focused acquisitions due to the capital earned from U.S. tax reform. So tax reform certainly had a, an impact and fueled this rapid growth in the space. And did this survey show anything with respect to how companies are approaching cybersecurity and, and data privacy issues? Oh, yeah. With, with data, data is always, always key. Uh, and there's some very interesting stats in the survey relative to that as well. Uh, you, know, you know, if you think about information security, I mean, it, it, it weighs heavily on the minds of all of our mid-market leaders that are scoring the need for stronger investment protocol. Uh, the number one concern of these companies surveyed is protecting data and systems. And that's key when you think about all the things, the underpinning underpinning the technology disruption is the data itself. Uh, and there are a number of concerns, uh, you know, when, when looked at in that area. So that brings up different governance concerns. 
think about at a broader level. When we, you look at the pace and adoption of the technologies, it's very interesting to see how quickly they're moving and how many of the IT organizations are shifting to kind of adapt the governance along the lines. But I, I argue that the C-suite and the boards of organizations need to consider this as well when they look at broader governance. I think the boards do a tremendous job around organizational and, and business governance. But when you look at technology and the pace of this change, there's things like ethics, uh, privacy concerns, you know, how I use things from a diversity standpoint that probably need to be looked at and considered in the C-suite and the board as well relative to these technologies, specifically when we talk about automation technologies like artificial intelligence, cognitive computing, machine learning, those type of things, uh, because those slight biases and things that we don't think about are not always regulated or governance can actually have broader implications downstream as they're programmed into the systems. It's very important to look at those from just a broader governance standpoint than just IT governance. And 42% of uh, the clients that we've talked about are really building you know, and developing governance processes that have gotten into place so people are adapting to some of the changes. But there's some broader areas that, that drive concern uh, from my perspective around governance. So you know, when they, when they, uh, between 23% of the mid-market businesses that have been surveyed, uh, they state that they have mature, established IT governance processes. Well, that number should be a bit higher than 23%. But when you kind of dig down a little deep in the survey, when they talk about you know, what's going on there, a lack of resources, uh, at least 26% say there's a lack of resources, 21% uh, you know, cost issues, and, and limited understanding of the imports within the C-suite is what 19% of them stated. And that alluded to my earlier comment that you know, as this, this changes and moves quickly in the, the marketplace, leadership, the C-suite and the boards have to think about this differently and, see, and make sure that they're governing appropriately uh, from that standpoint to make sure that this does not get negated uh, based on what some of the survey data shows. And to what extent are middle market companies adopting emerging technologies like blockchain and how are they using them? So blockchain, it's interesting about blockchain because it's typically kind of conflated with uh, cryptocurrencies, but you know it's increasingly redefining how businesses operate, uh, and, and obviously the mid-markets are no exception. We're obviously seeing this adoption broader in certain sectors, but to the primary use of our survey was that you know, storing security digital records continues to be the primary use for blockchain technology with about almost half, uh, about 46% of those surveys, uh, citing that that's the primary purpose compared to 34% last year. So obviously storing, securing digital records and for broad use is the primary use. About 45% of mid-market businesses are evaluating blockchain and anticipating implementation at some level. Only 13% of those surveys do not plan to use the technology at all. So, so given you know, the early stages uh, that blockchain's in, you know, the number one uh, roadblock to blockchain implementation typically is IT readiness, uh, closely followed by platform maturity and a lack of a broader or clear implementation roadmap. If you think about where it's at at this juncture, many of the current vendor, vendors within the landscape are adopting and, and coming up with their implementations of the technology in their particular packages and platforms. So that's, that's a moving target, which makes it a little more difficult for IT to kind of really get a good handle on those things outside of those very forward-thinking, very advanced IT organizations. And the middle market is obviously a very broad swath of the economy. A lower middle market business can be much different than, you know, a, a larger middle market business. Did you see differences in the survey in terms of how companies, you know, within that spectrum are, are adopting technologies? Are, you know, larger middle market companies in a better position to, to be leveraging some of these tools? And are you seeing greater investment among those types of businesses? If you look at the way technology disruption is being leveraged, it's very interesting. 
technologies in very different ways. So if I'm big, I'm trying to look small. If I'm small, I'm trying to look big. Hmm. But they're both doing it through the same set of disruptive technologies. And I find that very interesting. We've touched on a number of areas, but I wondered if there were any other functions that you're seeing technology really have an impact on in the middle market. There's, there's different things going on at different levels. If you think about you know, the disruption, it's coming in a couple areas. We talked briefly about cyber, so there's lots of change in that space. Then we've got this you know, automation and augmentation of technology that occurs. And we have lots of other things like IoT, inter- inter- the Internet of Things, uh, you know, slightly rising up as well as mixed reality uh, in the environment. So, so it's not just one particular area, it's many areas converging at one time that drives a lot of the change. So when we look at those things, let's just talk about IoT for a moment. You know, 42% of the companies, uh, private companies feel that predictive analytics is going to have the most impact on their customer base. But the respondents typically see IoT technology impacting their customers uh, about 40% or so, slightly more than the employees. So out of our survey, one out of every five executives expect IoT or the Internet of Things to have significant impact in their businesses over the next 12 months. Hmm. Uh, so that's substantial. And, and what that means, and, and for those of you on the call that may not be familiar with that, that's sensing devices and devices that capture data being able to be integrated in a manner that allows you a broader picture of what's going on in the broader landscape. I think that's significant uh, you know, relative to kind of what we're seeing. Other things we're seeing is that, you know, not just is the nature of some of the work changing and being shaped by technology, but, you know, how companies are really leveraging people from a talent standpoint uh, and where, where they're really kind of growing in. So we talked a little bit about, you know, kind of, you know, companies reskilling because of the technology. 57% of redesigning jobs uh, to ensure a more seamless integration with people and machines. You know, so, so emerging technologies, as I mentioned earlier, are also helping train employees about, about 46% you know, of the respondents using mixed reality to do so. So that, that's, that's significant. And when you look at it from a business standpoint, you know, this is really occurring because worker productivity you know, is one of the more significant impacts out of digital uh, disruption. So the productivity increases through shareholder value relative to this. But it's also driving a change in you know, what we would call the, the gig economy and, and to define that, that the gig economy is kind of broader contracts, freelance, uh, or disparate labor to be used in the context of the business environment. Hmm. So that's driving some change as well in terms of how that's occurring. Operationally, the areas are you know, kind of operations, customer service, and marketing. That's where, the, that's where the change is happening, lots of investment there, and when you look at some of the technology being used, you're seeing use there uh, just because there, there, there are things in those spaces that can really be automated and changed in a broad way. And so when you think about it, a lot of times the automation occurs at things that are just mundane tasks. Take, take claims processing. Very, you know, very repetitive type of tasks, complex, large volumes of data. Those things tend to lend themselves great to machine learning uh, and you know, artificial intelligence to automate those processes and drive things down. There's an example that we've uh, used for one of our clients where invoice processing, something simple like invoice processing, uh, the cost to actually process invoices for this client was roughly $10 over time for a period when their cost is driven down to a very minuscule number, a uh, fraction of that, I think is one or two dollars, you know, the cost to process an overall invoice from a life cycle standpoint. That was done through machine learning and artificial intelligence. And so it's not that you, you know, those things can process the volumes, you'll still need human capabilities to kind of handle exceptions uh, and, you know, kind of work through those type of things. But for the, the, the road task, a lot of those things can be automated. And that's where you're seeing these things apply for value. And if you're to look out into the, you know, next year, next five years, you know, how do you expect that these findings will play out, you know, in that time frame? When we think about these strategically, I mean, I think, you know, well, 
I mean, cyber will continue to be a threat. I mean, I don't think any company will be hacker-proof as we continue to integrate things and lines blur between organizations, their vendor partners, and those ecosystems. That threat will be, you know, persistent. Uh, the tools will uh, continue to advance as they are through automation uh, and artificial intelligence. So the tools will get smarter. But, you know, as the tools get smarter, so do the, the, the threats and criminals and, and nation-state actors that are doing things that they shouldn't do. So that'll be an ongoing challenge, uh, I think, how we do it. It's interesting when you look at some of the survey data from a risk standpoint where there's a, a greater number uh, of risks are not so much the technical threats, they're actually the, the humans. You know? so, so when you look at with regards to information security, educating and training employees really the priority in this survey set that we did with 58% of those people uh, you know, focusing on that particular element. So when you look at data, you know, if you think about it, data and talent are the new commodities now. Hmm. So, so as those go forward, We've got to look at risk and how we handle risk. And right now, that weaker link is actually the human piece of that equation from a security standpoint. So education becomes paramount. So I can put all these automated things in place, but if somebody's still sticking their password on a on their, their computer screen on a sticky, you know, it kind of defeats all that the investment there. So a lot of that simple process type of things, I think those will be going ongoing from a strategic standpoint. Uh, I think we'll, we'll continue to see trends relative to human augmentation to expand the capability of humans and merge and blur the lines between the humans and machines in the workplace. And I think that, that as these companies now are really changing the nature of things, what we're really seeing is a broader change in the nature of work itself hmm. and how we define work, uh, where that work happens, and you know how, how humans really factor in and drive and shape that. So what we, I like to think of this as you know, the technology augmentation allows us to expand our human capabilities and not just for productivity, but also the soft side benefits to that as well in terms of how we work, when we work, the nature of work, how I can relax, and those things kind of play in. So I think we'll continue to see changes there, and some of those are the generational shifts. If you look at the way you know, this generation consumes and uses technology, the digital natives who you know been born in the 90s where everything was internet-connected, the internet was around and used, they will work and, and engage very differently with these technologies than folks of my generation. So I think that that will manifest itself in some very productive ways uh, as we move forward in forward in the organization and in the future. Hmm. And it seemed like an overarching point of the report was augmentation, not replacement. You know, it's humans and machines together, as you said, not one instead of the other. Exactly, exactly. So like I said, there's there's very interesting things going on, uh, lots of change uh, with the nature of work. There's also change within the C-suite that I think uh, fully hasn't shaken out uh, yet. When you look at the, the the role of the CIO, the role of the CFO, the advent of the chief marketing officer, uh, and where they sit in a power structure within the context of the C-suite, there's lots of change going on there, and it's largely driven by technology and how people have adapted to technology. So take the CFO role. As a CFO, I mean, many CFOs are kind of 
to kind of think through some things. They don't often have the, the background to understand the complexities of integration and how they have to happen. So that makes that job a bit more challenging. And that job, depending on the size of the organization, is often spread or shared with the CFO and the CIO, depending on the size of the organization. So lots of change there. I mean, the CMO piece is a little interesting for me because as we go, we, we get closer to our customers via technology. You know, a lot of that kind of falls under the umbrella of the chief marketing officer from a marketing, sales, and CRM type of standpoint because those technologies become far more critical when you look at how we're integrating across our devices, our tablets, our phones, in terms of how we track and share information around an individual and their broader customer experience. So lots of interesting things there, I think, as well. Yeah, no, it's a fascinating evolution. And when we um, when we post the podcast, I'll include a link to the full report for anyone who's interested in reading about the full findings. So with that, I think that's a good Chris. place to end it. Chris, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me here. Hope you enjoyed the survey. Thanks for listening to this episode of Middle Market Growth Conversations. Subscribe to the podcast in the iTunes store where you can listen to past episodes and hear the next episode in two weeks. While you're there, we'd love if you could rate the show and leave a review to help listeners find out about us. After you've rated the podcast, head over to our website, middlemarketgrowth.org for more stories about successful mid-sized companies and middle market M&A.